those songs. Uh, it has the words up there, but you, you can sing. Anybody who wants to, I'm looking at a few people back here. All right. Um, yeah, they're ignoring us. I know, they're ignoring us. That's right. Um, so, again, I'm going to try not to uh, Facebook Live that uh, window, although we know it's very pretty. All right. Um, so, let me get that started if you're wondering what, what, what we're doing here. Um, so, if, if, you, if you don't know, The Chosen is being, um, is being shown the first two episodes of season three. Uh, anybody been watching that? It's really good. All right. Um, it's going to be tonight, I believe, right? I believe. Oh, you went to the games with Friday night. Okay, so uh, we're actually going with um, with the youth group at Burnham and Kaylin and them to it tonight in Boston. So um, it's 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 there. Okay, I think I finally got this. Sorry, it took me longer today. All right, turn the camera around. All right, here we go. Okay. Who knows? There might be one person out there, right? You know, who's watching. It might be all. I don't know. I have no idea. All right. Oh, I'm already recording the audio. So they're like, what is going on at that church? All right. We do, we, we're here, right? Um, so if, if, you, if you are visiting, uh, again, we, um, we have been in the book of Mark for 37 weeks, I think. All right. Um, but we're not going to be in it today. All right. So we're going to do uh, something for Thanksgiving today. Um, we'll probably the next two weeks we'll go back to Mark and there's a, a chance y'all pray y'all always ask for you pray for me pray for me as I prepare but there's a chance that we'll do something special for Christmas for a couple at least for a couple Sundays and so um, so we'll still be in the book of Mark come January all right we're still we're still in there but I hope it's been a blessing uh, to you um, and so uh, I like to look a lot of times at like Twitter um, just to see some of the uh, some of the funny things uh, that people say about certain um, events like Thanksgiving, um, and so I'm not going to tell you like uh, who said it, but just know it's from Twitter because I think that would take too too long and and all. But uh, I have a couple I want to share with you today. Um, this per- first person says, "I love Thanksgiving. Can't wait to slay for hours over a meal my kids will rudely reject in front of relatives who are judging my parenting." <laughs> Does it sound about right? Okay, all right. Um, Next one, call your dad now and ask him what the Wi-Fi password is so he has time to find the little paper it's written on before Thanksgiving. All right, okay, some of y'all can relate. Okay, Um, next one, I don't start my holiday shopping until after Thanksgiving when I I find out which family members I'm still on good terms with. Good advice, right? Um, And then next, four-year-old says, can we have pizza for Thanksgiving? Me, the pilgrims didn't eat pizza. My four-year-old says their dad was probably mean too. <laughs> All right. um, and then just uh, just a couple more. Uh, the hardest part about Thanksgiving is convincing the family I only eat like this on holidays. Right. Amen or oh me, right? Um, and Thanksgiving, uh, I, I'm so. Thanksgiving Day, I'm so thankful for all I have. I don't need material things. Uh, Black Friday abuses someone with shopping cart over a sale. Anybody Black Friday shoppers? All right, okay, all right. They don't raise your hand like this. Uh, um, and it says, "Look at the people in the room with you. Tomorrow, one of them will die in Target." All right, right, okay, because the same thing. All right, anyway, um, if you want my kids to actually act thankful on Thanksgiving, serve Kraft mac and cheese, goldfish. And apple juice. That's what you share. Okay. All right. Um, but anyway, uh, may, may we all truly be thankful uh, during this time uh, of year, during Thanksgiving. But that today's um, central statement is on the screen. And 
we like to kind of, I like to kind of have the central statement that, uh, that we build a sermon kind of off of, and, and that way if you want to take notes and you don't want to write too much, just write the central statement and you're good, okay? Um, but may we all be thankful, and Mr. L- uh, Ms. Loris, all right? Yeah, again, I get to keep my Baptist card uh, because it's alliterative. All right, but may we all be thankful for the simplicity of the gospel, the sufficiency of the Father, and salvation through the cross. Amen. And so, uh, number one, thankful for the simplicity of the gospel. So we're going to be bouncing around today. All right, but the Bible verses will be on the screen. And there's, if you don't, if you have a Bible, use your Bible. Uh, and then there's also some in in the pews. We use the CSB because we like the readability of it all right? and, and the accuracy as well. Um, uh, as, as there's obviously some great ones out there, but just for your information, that's what we use. So Matthew eleven twenty five says, At that time Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and revealed them to infants. Now, uh, any any Dumb and Dumber fans in here? Okay, I'm, I'm kind of dating myself, but have you seen those who like Dumb and Dumber? Okay, now those guys, they're funny guys, but man, do they do a great job of being dumb. I mean, you're like... Oh my goodness! Yeah, um, there was a there was a website I, I found that had like over a hundred um, like proof or reminders of how dumb they were. Not I'm not going to read all 100 because I only have till 12. Okay, sorry I had to go back to the to the joke. Where's Jimmy? Amen. Thank you. All right, Candace, you got to stand in for Jimmy. All right, um, and no, we're not leaving yet, Mr. Steve. Say you know, stay. Put your seatbelt on. All right, um, but let me just tell you a few. Um, Lloyd. Harry and Lloyd, by the way, main ones. Lloyd doesn't know that there are languages other than English. Right? He's what? There's something. Uh, and there's and then there's a part where Harry and Lloyd don't know how many days are in April. No idea. All right. Um, some of y'all will kind of know what I'm talking about. Some of you're like, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. And again, another great illustration by the pastor to use an illustration that only applies to half the people. But anyway, um, Harry and Lloyd think that a beautiful mansion would just look so much better with aluminum siding. Just look so much better, right? Or um, Harry and Lloyd don't know what a return address is. They don't know what that means. All right. Um, he, Harry thinks, this is one of my favorites, Harry thinks that the rivers on the map are blue roads. Blue, sorry, some of y'all get that later. All right. Um, uh, Harry laments that he couldn't afford to send his daughter, quote, to the best public schools not understanding that public schools are funded by taxpayer money and not private tuition. But, uh, and then lastly, Lloyd doesn't know what an obituary is. Like he doesn't know. Anyway, but and while while I may not be quite as dumb as these guys, although some would argue that, okay, um, and, and it would probably be a good argument, I do appreciate the simplicity of the gospel, amen. I, I, because this is not the the uh, the first time I said it behind, uh, in this pulpit, but I'm just so thankful that God made the gospel message so simple that someone like me can understand it, okay. Uh, because it, it is, it's very, very simple. And let's, we're going to go to a few verses, a few passages here uh, to kind of flesh this out here. So Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 19 through 27. There's a lot here, uh, but, but stay with me. It says, For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and I will set aside the intelligence of the intelligent. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the debater of this age? Hasn't God made the world's wisdom foolish? For since in God's wisdom the world did not know God through wisdom, God was pleased to save those who believe through the foolishness of what is preached. For the Jews ask for signs, and the Greeks seek wisdom. But look at verse 23. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. 
Yet to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ is a power of God and the wisdom of God because God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom. Amen. And God's weakness is stronger than human strength. Amen. Verse 26. Brothers and sisters, consider your calling. Not many were wise from a human perspective. Not many powerful. Not many of noble birth. Can you relate? All right. You say amen every now and then. All right. Uh, instead, God has chosen what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen what is weak in the world to shame the strong. It's, it's, you know, we, we don't expect it to be that way, the way, the way our, our, um, you know, our, our natural minds work. And then David wrote many, many years before in Psalm chapter 8, verse 2, from the mouths of infants and nursing babes, you have established a stronghold on account of your adversaries in order to silence the enemy and the avenger. From infants and babes. See, it's a simple message, but that doesn't make it any less valuable. Amen? Jesus loves me. This I know. What is it? For the Bible tells me so. Little ones, what? To him belong. We are weak, but he is strong. See, hallelujah. Amen? Hallelujah. See, it, and, and while that may be simple, some, it's like some think they're, they're just so smart or they just don't want to accept it or maybe they think it can't really be that easy. Right, Brother Patrick? It can't really be that easy. Yes, yes, it can. It's that simple. You know, take the Pharisees, for example. Think of, think of and in the book of Mark, we've seen it all through the book of Mark, how, how they were around, they were around Jesus, they heard Jesus, they listened to him, they, you know, but they weren't, they just didn't want to, to give their hearts uh, to Christ. And, and you think about that, and, and I, you know, I have this here, and I've said this before as well, but, you know, they were close to Jesus. So again, and, and there's something that I think needs to be said, proximity right, to the things of Christ does not make you a Christian. Does not does not equal relationship. We can we can go to go to church all the time. I was that person. Went to church all the time growing up, but I didn't give my life fully to Christ. So I was twenty years old. And so, uh, you know, how many chances? Again, you think about all the chances that these Pharisees have. Right? But what does the Word of God say uh, about this? First Corinthians one eighteen. Paul says, "For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing." But it is a power of God to us who are being saved. It's the power of God. And for them, along with anyone else who fails to accept the simple message of the gospel, there's consequences. Like in Romans chapter 1, starting in verse 18, uh, read with me here again. Uh, and if you're new, if you're visiting, I like to read a whole lot of scripture because it'll preach a whole lot better than I'll ever be able to. Amen. See, for God's wrath is revealed from heaven against all godlessness and unrighteousness of people who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Since what can be known about God is evident among them because God has shown it to them. I love this part. For his invisible attributes, that is, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen since the creation of the world, being understood through what he has made. Now, you ever just go to the beach or go to the mountains and just be like, Hallelujah. Right? There is a God, right? and I'm not him. As a result, people are without excuse. Verse 21, for though, they, for though they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God or show gratitude. That'll preach. Instead, their thinking became worthless and their senseless hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the mortal God for images resembling mortal man, birds, four-footed animals, and reptiles. Therefore, God delivered them over to desire their hearts, to sexual impurity, so that their bodies were degraded among themselves. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served what has been created and said to the Creator, who is praised forever. Amen. Is that not what our what our country and our what our world has become? Exchanged exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped the created things rather than rather than the Creator. Amen. So how does one go 
from, from blind, from spiritually blind to, to having vision, to having sight spiritually. I think you have to start with humility. Start with humility. First Peter 5, 6, 5 or 6 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you at the proper time. And then Luke 14, 11 says, For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and the one who humbles himself will be exalted. See, but it's, that's easier said than done because our world tells us a completely different message. Amen? All right? You know, do, 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 be, be, be. All right? Uh, you're the master of your own soul. You know, captain of your soul, master of your own fate, right? You know, English teacher, you know that poem. But it's, it's um, that, that's, what we're, that's what we're taught all the time. But instead, all right, I, I think it's just very simple. And you've, you, I know I'm not the only one that said this uh, behind a pulpit, but I, I, I just like to be reminded of two things, that there is a God and I'm not him, okay? And if you can't, if, if, if you hear nothing else today, that'll be, that'll be two good things to remember. Okay, as you as you move on, and then it says, I think we we see the Bible saying, let's add a little childlike behavior. It's actually not bad sometimes. All right, I might get aggravated with it in class. All right, but Matthew eighteen verse two through four says, he called a small child and had him stand among them. Truly I tell you, he said, unless you turn and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child, this one is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. I like the way the Gospel Transformation Bible writer said, Entry into the kingdom involves understanding that one is wholly dependent upon God for salvation, just as a little child is wholly dependent for life and health upon loving adults. And we talked, I think we referenced that a couple weeks ago. And it's a, it's a complete dependence. You know, when you're a child, you don't worry about things. Your parents got you, right? They have you. It's the same type of like, God's got me. Okay, I'm going to trust in you. I, don't, I can't see what's going to happen tomorrow and at this, you know, this visit or, you know, or, or what's going to happen in, in the future, but I know that God has it. Amen? So may we all be thankful for the simplicity of the gospel, the sufficiency of the Father, and salvation through the cross. In Budapest, a man goes to a rabbi and complains, Life is unbearable. There are nine of us living in one room. What in the world can I do about this? Well, the rabbi answered, Take your goat into the room with you. This man is incredulous, but the rabbi insists, do as I say and come back in a week. A week later, the man comes back looking more distraught and aggravated than the first time. We cannot stand it, he told the rabbi. The goat is filthy. He stinks so bad. Well, the rabbi then tells him, go home and let the goat out. Come back in a week. As you can probably guess, a radiant man returns to the rabbi a week later exclaiming, life is beautiful. We enjoy every minute of it now that there's no goat, only the nine of us. See, uh, kind of funny how that works, right? It, changing our perspective. Number two, thankful for the sufficiency of the Father. Why, while I'm not going to uh, recount the whole passage, um, we will read about six verses in John chapter 6. And again, a, a passage that we did several weeks ago, uh, the feeding of the 5,000. But let me just read a few verses for you. Verse 5, all right? says, so when Jesus looked up and noticed a huge crowd coming toward him, he asked Philip, where will we buy bread so that these people can eat? He asked this to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread wouldn't be enough for each of them to have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, so they sat down. The men numbered about 5,000. and Then Jesus took the loaves, and after giving thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So 
also with the fish as much as they wanted. So um, verse 11 is, is one part there that, that we're going to see again. Okay? Then Jesus took the loaves, and after giving things, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also with the fish as much as they wanted. Right? So God took care of them. Obviously, Jesus took care of them. And obviously, the, uh, the, the um, little boy must have given the, the stuff, right? All right, we'll get to that in just a second. Miss Rhonda, this is not in uh, in there, okay? So forgive me. But um, y'all, uh, there's a song, a, a really good worship song um, that I, I, I've grown to love an awful lot since camp. It's going to camp with Kaylin and, and them this past summer. Uh, but Jaira, uh, and we've, we've played it here before. Jaira, you are enough. Forever enough, always enough, more than enough. Is anyone familiar with that song? It's a beautiful song. Uh, but what does what does Jehovah Jireh mean? Uh, Jehovah Jireh, that word for God means the Lord will provide, right? And and the the first uh, context of it, as far as my as far as my knowledge, is in Genesis chapter twenty two, the sacrifice of Isaac, where, where God says, "Hey Abraham, you go there and you, you you're going to sacrifice Isaac," and he went anyway, and he did it. He's like, "Okay, he's my only son, but okay, God, all right, so I'll do it." And he goes and. And as he's about to, uh, to you know, in verse 10 in chapter 22, it's not up here, um, it says, Then Abraham reached out and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He replied, Here I am. And he said, Do not lay a hand on a boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your only son from me. Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it as a burnt offering in place of his son. And Abraham named that place, the Lord will provide. So today is said, it will be provided on the Lord's mountain. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. Can you relate? Right. Well, I'm going to make you prove it this morning. Yeah, you didn't know I was going to do this to you, but um, if anybody would like to testify, we do this every now and then, not in the middle of the sermon, but that's okay. All right, we have till 12 o'clock. Was planned. We don't, okay, but uh, if anybody would like to testify, you're more than welcome to. About the goodness of God and, and how thankful we are of His blessings that He has provided. Thank you, John Allen. Go ahead. Yes, sir, I'm, I'm just thankful. I'm so thankful for my family and the Lord providing a wife that has come alongside me all these years and just, uh, just uh, helped me. He's so good to us. Amen. Thank you. Anybody else? Putting y'all on the spot this morning. I was going to put it on the group text, but I decided I would, I would do the shock the system instead. Always fun. It's good to see you, brother. Anybody else? Our, for teachers, this is called wait time, right? I'm just thankful that God helped me get through this far in the school year because it's just been really, really a lot of work this year. And it's like one week at a time, one day at a time sometimes, but he's kept me from getting sick and just allowed me to just do it. So 
It's been rough. It's been a tough year. I mean, I think I could literally probably live off of her chocolate chip cookies. Uh, just saying, okay, if we ever had chocolate chip cookies, um, only get one or two, I get the rest. That's, I think that's in the bylaws. I can pay you later for that. Okay. All right. <laughs> awesome. Well, um, feel free. You know, you can interrupt it. It's okay. All right. But we'll um, we'll we'll move on. But um, but I, I mean, isn't that great to hear those testimonies uh, from God's people and the, the faithfulness of God and to count our blessings? Amen. Um, and, and and can we just be a little bit silly for a moment? Okay, um, especially for the ladies, because I know, unfortunately, ladies, you're the ones mo uh, pretty much responsible for taking care of the food on Thanksgiving, right? Okay, um, and can we just be a little silly for a moment? What, what if a, a, a crowd that size, 5,000 people or more, right, stopped by your house for Thanksgiving? <laughs> All right, what you going to do? <laughs> I mean, we could, we, we could serve about 100 or more, but 5,000? I mean, you know, these ladies make some great food, but that's a lot, 5,000. Um, just something to think about. But and, and as we look at that story uh, and, and move on, um, I just want to kind of ask, which one are, are you, which one are, am I, which one are we in the story? You know, I think you see a progression in, in John's account. You see a progression because I, I think we see Philip to Andrew to the little boy, right? And so maybe we're, we're like Philip. So Philip didn't have much faith at all. Look at verse 7. Philip answered them, 200 denarii worth of uh, bread wouldn't be enough uh, enough for each of them to have even a little bit, right? Uh, and so, and it's okay it's, it, if it's not up there, it's fine. Uh, but, you know, he's like, really? Like, I mean, there's no way. So Philip's idea is this is not possible, okay? No way, all right? You know, even for just a, just a little bit, all that money, like, no, it's not even possible. And then, and then Andrew had a little bit more. Uh, he said in verses 8 and 9, one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but, but what are they for so many? I mean, his idea is kind of more like, I mean, maybe, you know? Like, you got, you got Philip like, nah, mm -mm, not going to happen. And you got Andrew like, uh, I don't know, maybe. Here's this little kid with some, you know, some fish and some bread, maybe. Right? And then there's that little boy who obviously gave Jesus the fish. So it, it goes from, from no way to, to maybe to hear God, you have it. Which one are we? Which one are we? See, that'll preach, amen? Mm -hmm. 
that I preach. It, it, and then he may not have known what Jesus was going to do, right? I mean, can you picture being a little boy? Uh, okay, Jesus, you want, okay. It's just my lunch, but yeah, yeah you had it, you know. I guess, what you going to do? There's 5,000 people, Jesus. Like, I mean, just kind of wondering what's going on there, um, you know, but he, he didn't know what Jesus was going to do, but he trusted him anyway. Well, how, uh, how are you getting that? Well, he gave it to him. I don't have to be a, a rocket scientist here. He, he gave them the fish and, and, and bread, right? And see, that will preach. Again, see, it, ever, ever not know what's going to go, what's going to happen all the time, right? We never know what's going to happen. And then John 6, 11, he took the loaves and gave thanks, distributed those two, and we know that they were all fed. That's pretty awesome. And I got this from a book, because I can't take any credit for it, a little outline book there of, of sermons, and, 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 he, and it says these three things. Speaking of Jesus, he says, He made the universe, yet was thankful for loaves and fishes. Jesus made the universe, and he thanks God uh, for loaves and fishes. And then he called forth the first stalk of wheat, right, yet was thankful for bread. You know, or, or the third thing, he spoke the first fishes into existence, yet was thankful for those given to him. What, what an amazing insight. So how little we show our thankfulness. Amen or oh me, right? And how much we take for granted. Warren Wiersbe illustrated this problem in, in his commentary on Colossians. He, he told about a ministerial student in Evanston, Illinois, who was part of a life-saving squad. In, uh, sorry, uh, in 1860, a ship went around, went aground, excuse me, on the shore of Lake Michigan near Evanston. And Edward Spencer waded again and again into the frigid waters to rescue 17 passengers, which is an amazing story, right? In the process, however, his health was permanently damaged. Okay? He took care of these 17 people, and his health was damaged because of it. Some years later at his funeral, it was noted that not one of the people he rescued ever thanked him. Wow. Oh, how may we recover the lost art of thankfulness. Amen. But I don't know about you, but I get, I, you know, and maybe I have too, too high hopes or too high expectations sometimes, but when I give somebody a piece of candy at school for winning a, getting a question right or something, I, I kind of expect them to at least say thank you. You ain't got to say much, but at least say thank you. You know, and it's funny how even my mind will kind of like, I'll go to the judging, you know. I admit, you know, that if they don't do it, I'm like, uh, you know, say thank you, little ungrateful turd. Uh, sorry. Uh, anyway, I probably shouldn't have said that, but like uh, Sally's going to laugh at me. I said it anyway. Um, some of the things I've said behind the pulpit, boy, God is gracious. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Um, but see, so often we have, we have a little wine problem, all right? Not W-I-N-E, but W-H-I-N-E. See, you, you, you may have heard the following, but I, I thought it was just too good uh, not to share, and I hope it still blesses you. It says, today, and I don't know, it's an unknown writer on this. Can't give anybody credit since it's unknown. Uh, today upon a bus, I saw a lovely maid with golden hair. I envied her. She seemed so gay, and how I wished I were so fair. When suddenly she rose to leave, I saw her hobble down the aisle. She had one foot and wore a crutch, but as she passed, a smile. Oh, God, forgive me when I whine. I have two feet. The world is mine. And when I stopped to buy some sweets, the lad who served me had such charm. He seemed to radiate good cheer. His manner was so kind and warm. I said, it's nice to deal with you. Such courtesy I seldom find. He turned and said, oh, thank you, sir. And then I saw that he was blind. Oh, God, forgive me when I whine. I have two eyes. The world is mine. 
Then when walking down the street, I saw a child with eyes of blue. He stood and watched the others play. It seemed he knew not what to do. I stopped the moment. Then I said, why don't you join the others, dear? He looked ahead without a word, and then I knew he could not hear. Oh, God, forgive me when I whine. I have two ears. The world is mine. With feet to take me where I'd go, with eyes to see the sunset's glow, with ears to hear what I would know, I am blessed indeed. The world is mine. Oh, God, forgive me when I whine. That'll preach. Amen. May we all be thankful for the simplicity of the gospel, the sufficiency of the Father, and salvation through the cross. As we're halfway done, sorry, y'all, I can't help it. Chris, I can't help it. John Allen, you probably remember. I can't help laughing, joking sometimes. All right. He's like, you better be joking, brother, because we got to go. All right. Number three, salvation. Thankful for salvation through the cross. 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 26. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. You'll be familiar with this from the, from the communion. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also he took the cup after supper and said, This cup is a new covenant of my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Jesus was with his disciples on the, what is called the Last Supper, right? May we take this time to be truly grateful for what Jesus did on the cross. And we think and we pause and we, and we reflect that this, his body was broken, his, his blood was shed for us. Does this not remind us of that simple Jesus loved me, this I know, yet the Bible tells me, because the Bible tells me so, right? For I know it. So here it is again. Luke 22, verse 42 says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. So his, his flesh was like, man, I, man, I don't know, this is hard. But he went through it anyway for us. He went all the way to the cross for me. Amen? He didn't stop. I, I, I hope that you were blessed by the, by the song that we uh, that we played right before um, I come up here today, and if not, I just want to just want to read to you um, some of the lyrics because they're just amazing to me, and it go. It, it, I think it helps to um, you know point our hearts to uh, where we're going here this morning. The fact that Jesus went all the way for us in our in our place. If it, if you're you're here today, uh, I'm going to refer back to the simplicity of the gospel. The simple fact is we, we make it so difficult when it simply is Jesus died in my place. That is, that is the gospel message. In my place. Should have been me, all right, but it wasn't. All right, because of God's love for us that he gave his son, his only son for us. Amen? And so listen to some of the words, and I hope, I hope that you uh, really reflect on it. It says, how great the chasm. And I'm going to kind of, you know, go, uh, kind of stop and, and, and mention a little bit as we go through. It says, how great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountains I could not climb. Right? For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so we have this whole chasm uh, between us. And another way that I've said it before and, and I've heard others say is it's like a mountain. you got God on top of the mountain and all of us are at the bottom, the base of the mountain and and, and religion is man's attempt to climb up that mountain to God. And, so, and Christianity is God coming down the mountain to us in the form of Jesus. That's the difference uh, in, in, in the religions and Christianity. So he says, how great this chasm, all right? how how the mountain I could not climb, I can't make it on my own. So in desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night. Okay? We're going to look at that verse, Acts 4.12, in a few moments. Right? 
And then through the darkness, your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul. The work is finished. The end is written. Jesus Christ, my living hope. He did, he did what, what we couldn't do. Right? And, and he, didn't, he didn't judge us because we're all sinful. Uh, the Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's not a single one of us who have not sinned. And then the next verse, it says, Who could imagine so great a mercy? Can, can, can you imagine it? Can, who, what heart could fathom such boundless grace? See? The God of ages stepped down from glory to, I love, the, I love the wording of this, to wear my sin, to put on my sin, and to bear my shame. He, again, he, he took it. He took what I deserved on his own. The cross has spoken. I am forgiven. Whew. The king of kings calls me his own. You are a child of the king. Amen. Beautiful Savior, I'm yours forever. Jesus Christ, my living hope. And then this part here is one that I can't hardly contain myself. Y'all know how much I got to like keep my, keep my hyperactive self in the seat on this part. Okay. And it says, Then came the morning that sealed the, prom sealed the promise. Your buried body began to breathe. Out of the silence, roaring lion declared the grave has no claim on me. Grave couldn't hold them. Jesus, yours is a victory, not mine. Nothing, nothing that we do. It's nothing that we do. Amen. It's just saying, yes, I accept what you did on the cross is counting for me. Hallelujah. Praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah. Death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name, Jesus Christ, my living hope. Salvation through the cross. May we all be thankful for the simplicity of the gospel, the sufficiency of the Father, and salvation through the cross because without it, there is no hope. Amen? There is no hope. In conclusion, the first American Thanksgiving didn't occur in 1621. Sorry to, sorry to ruin your, Thanksgiving, your, your thoughts from education. All right, I'm a teacher. All right, but anyway... It did not occur in 1621 when the group of pilgrims shared a feast with a group of friendly Indians. In fact, the first recorded Thanksgiving took place in Virginia more than 11 years earlier. And it wasn't a feast. The winter of 1610 at Jamestown had reduced a group of 409 settlers, listen, to 60. The survivors prayed for help without knowing when or how it might come. When help arrived in the form of a ship filled with food and supplies from England, a prayer meeting was held to give thanks to God. That's the first Thanksgiving. See, Sally mentioned this to me last week, and I have to give her credit because I actually wasn't going to preach on Thanksgiving. <laughs> no, thank you, baby. But I, I got to give her credit for this fault because, um, you know, it's nice that we have a holiday and all and people come and eat and, you know, maybe all the other crazy stuff happens that we mentioned at the beginning of the sermon, you know, uh, and we say that we're thankful. And, and, and even, even uh, non-church people, even non-Christians will, will, will celebrate Thanksgiving, right? And I just love how, how wise and simple, again, uh, this statement is from my wife. But she's like, but to whom are they thanking? See, and I may not say it just as clear as she does because she's a whole lot better at that than I am. I'm a little bit wordy. Don't say amen. All right. 
But in order to be thankful, there has to be someone which we're giving our thanks to, right? And so whenever I give my daughter a gift, I mean, last night, man, you know, we, we had a fun time. Went to Jacksonville. We came back home. You know, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I want to stop somewhere in McClenny and eat at a, a, a like a Mexican restaurant, a place I never eaten before. But we stopped and went to Zaxby's instead. We have family with us, and I was like, ah, I'm Zaxby's. All right. But anyway, all right. And so, uh, but 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 then we get to off of our exit, you know, and we go to we go to Pilot. Uh, I mean, and Sally's like, I said, we're going to get something. Oh, going to get some ice cream or something. All right. And so we pulled in, you know, and got some pretty high dollar ice cream that we were not supposed to tell mommy about. But, um, but you know, and I told my daughter, I'm like, this isn't, this isn't financially responsible. But every now and then it's okay. All right. All right. And she's like, I think she enjoyed it. And Riley got her some little gummy bears. But the point is, um, when, I give, when I give them things like that or mom and I do that, they thank, they thank me. They thank mommy because we gave it to them. That that makes sense. I mean, I know I'm I, again. I told you I'm not very smart, but there has to be a, a a giver of these things that we thank. Who who are they thanking? When they say I'm thankful. Who are you thankful to? Like, but I praise God that we know who we're thankful to. Amen. See, see, let me introduce you to that someone. James one verse seventeen. Every good. Every, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights who does not change like shifting shadows. He's going to be faithful again tomorrow. Right? Weeping may stay overnight, but there is joy in the morning. He's going to be faithful. Amen? I'm thankful for so many things. Right? My wife and, and kids and obviously this church and even Jimmy. Okay? Family and friends, a, you know, a job, a life, health, food, all those things, but... I'm so much more thankful for the simplicity of the gospel, that he made it so simple for me, right? for the sufficiency of the Father, that he's going to take care of us, amen? Even when it feels like his, his things are all, all hope is lost, and the salvation through the cross. Because Acts 4, verse 12, see, it can't be any other name. Acts 4, verse 12 says, There is salvation and no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to people right, by, by which we must be saved, amen? Jesus Christ. Right, so if you have not made that decision today to accept what uh, Jesus has done on the cross is counting for you, I pray that you'll make that decision today as we ask Mr. Lawrence and Sally come up. And if you just want to, you know, sing right where you are and say where you are, that's fine. Um, you know, the altar is open if you want to pray. Um, it, it's, it's also open if you want to come down and make a decision or we can talk to uh, one of us after church if you'd like, okay? Uh, we love you guys and we're going to sing a song.